As we approach this new year, we take into account, uh, you know, the past, and we try to determine where we're at. You know, was it a good year? Was it an average year? Was it a bad year? So we do that with our bank accounts, right? We bring up the balance sheet, we crunch the numbers and see if we are ahead in 2023, if we lag behind or we're somewhere in the middle, or maybe you're uh, the kind of person who just shoves all the receipts in the drawer and hopes for a better year. Some of us are like that. Maybe you're taking into account uh, your relationships in this past year. You know, have they, have they grown? Some of them are, are better than they were. Some of them maybe need more attention. And maybe in 2024, then we intend to mend some or add some new friends. Maybe you look at your health. Uh, maybe you've already made plans to do some changes in 2024. Maybe you've actually stepped on the scale. I don't know about you, but I don't think it's fair that New Year's comes right after Thanksgiving and then Christmas. I think it'd be better off uh, making resolutions in July, so I might wait. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever you're taking stock of this year, let me encourage you that, uh, to consider one more thing. Take one moment to assess your soul. Oftentimes we don't think so much about that, but what about your soul? How has your soul fared? Has your faith gotten deeper in the last 12 months? Have you matured more in your faith? Do you experience more trust, more confidence, more joy, more peace in your life? Are your interactions with other people more loving? Do you find yourself being more patient or caring or more gracious? Do you find yourself living differently? more obediently this last year maybe than the year before? Are you living more generously than you used to? Are you a better listener? All these are outcomes of a healthy soul, evidence that you're granting the Holy Spirit, uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to do that work that the Spirit does within you and transforms you more and more into the likeness of Christ. So it's a great time to assess our soul. As we look ahead, it's a good time to assess where we're at. We want, we want to know where we're starting because the truth is that some of you are going to have a really good year in 2024. Some of you are going to see your plans come together and the things that you have, have uh, have expected will, will come to fruition, and you'll even experience some unexpected blessings that are going to be just fantastic. Some of you will have a great 2024. Some of you will face things that are more difficult than you expected. Maybe even things that you at one time feared, or at least hoped would, you would never have to face as trials in your life. So some of you are facing a tough year ahead. I don't know which kind of year you're going to have. Maybe it'll be an average year, a mediocre year. 2025 will roll around and you'll go, eh, it was okay, it wasn't bad, it wasn't great, it seemed kind of the same. I'm pretty sure, however, that each one of us here today are hoping for the best year ever, right? We're hoping for a banner year. So what would make it a good year for you? What would make 2024 a good year for you. Think about that for a moment. What would it take to make 2024 for you a good year? Now, if you're bold, if you're courageous, 
I would encourage you maybe to lean over to somebody beside you and, and just mention to them, what would make a good 2024? Maybe something simple, maybe something big. What would make a good year for you? Go ahead. As we're, as we're thinking about these things, <clears throat> you know, we can tick off a few, right? <laughs> we can tick off a few like good health, good relationships, prospering in whatever we put our hands to. You know, there, there's something actually that is actually more valuable than these, though. And it seems hard to believe that it could be, but the Apostle Peter, he lays this out pretty clear in his first letter. What really would make a good year for us? I hope each of you actually does have the best year ever. I hope that you have a spectacular year, that all your hopes and all your dreams come to fruition in all the ways we mentioned, like your health, your relationships, prospering, and what you put your hands to, uh, and in what Peter describes here in his letter as living hope. He writes, in his great mercy, in Christ's great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. So if your attitude toward life this coming year is driven by this living hope, then you actually are going to have a good year no matter what. Now that's a pretty bold statement, I realize. No matter what, because most of us can think of the what's that could happen that would make it a not-so-good year. So is it really possible? Can you and I have a good year no matter what? So what if you could be guaranteed your year would be worthwhile no matter what? The Apostle Peter, he seems to be telling his readers, <clears throat> that kind of experience is actually already yours. It's already done. It's going to be a year of great value, no matter what concerns and trials and troubles you're going to face. So we might ask, is he suggesting that I can have a great future even if my health is not good? Is he suggesting that even if my relationships are growing and getting better, or if they're not, that my future is great? Is he suggesting that... Uh, we have a fulfilling year whether we find ourselves prospering and everything that we planned, everything going as we had hoped or not. Even Either way, it's going to be a good year. Actually, he says it can, and here's why. Are you ready for the secret for a good year? Here it comes. It's a big idea today. You have an inheritance coming that far outweighs anything you experience now. Your inheritance that is in the future, far outweighs anything that you experience, good or bad, right now. Whatever wins you have, whatever trials you face, they're dwarfed in comparison to what you already have ahead of you. And that means, or, or that's what it means to have a living hope. So we're going to unpack this today, and since we're right on New Year's Eve, I want to give us two helpful perspectives for 2024 uh, that come out of this uh, first chapter of 1 Peter in this letter. We could call these New Year attitudes or New Year's perspectives, and how you apply these approaches to life will have everything to do with how you live in the coming year. And so these two attitudes are this, one, that hope is living and the second one is trials have a purpose. So hope is living and trials have a purpose. 
And my hope is that as you practice these attitudes every day, you will have a great year. So let's jump into this first letter, 1 Peter. Uh, verse 3, he writes, In his great mercy, Christ's great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So this first perspective is a living hope. Hope is living. So why is this important for the new year? I think following the past four years, uh, most of us would expect things to be more predictable, right? Predictable. We kind of expect to know what's going to happen. But I think it's almost less predictable. In our world, there's more uncertainty than I think any of us have ever experienced in the past. And we just aren't sure about a lot of things in the future. So it seems like we should live very carefully, very cautiously. It would seem, right, that being unafraid in 2024 is a scary way to live. Get that? Being unafraid in 2024 is a scary way to live. But... That doesn't make sense. So how can you be unafraid and scared at the same time? Yet it seems like that's how we're trying to live as followers of Jesus. We know that we are to be unafraid. We're unafraid because we know the inheritance that is coming in the end. You know, the, at the end times, everything will turn out great for believers. And yet we're scared about what's happening in the world. You know, we're scared about the politics. We're scared about the economy. We're scared about sometimes even things in the church. So which is it? Are we unafraid or are we scared? Well, I think we're still called to be unafraid. I think it is the most faithful and freeing way to live. And I think we can assess it through what Peter calls this idea of a living hope. He says uh, that uh, a living hope always points to a bright future. In other words, if, if we engage in this hope that is alive and constant and ever-present, ever then we know we always have a bright future of ahead, no matter what. So not just in 2024, but all the way through. So whatever you're scared could happen, even if it does, there's still a bright future ahead for you. So it's not a dead hope. It's not dependent. Here's the key. I think it's not dependent on some fixed outcome that we have planned out in detail. How many of you have your life planned out? Well, we probably don't really like, have it maybe written out, but we have in mind you know, the things that we want to happen, the way they should happen, and when we veer off that path, we get a little anxious about it, don't we? Like, mm, I didn't plan this. This isn't how it's supposed to go. Uh, but, but the reality is that no matter how things are turning out, the future hasn't changed. And that future is kept for us, as the scripture says, in heaven. It's a good future. So we don't have to live afraid. So it's not a, a dead hope. Uh, it's not this fear that the future is going to change, um, that things will not happen according to plan. That, that, and, or, or that they're unrecoverable if something happens not planned. That's just not the way it is. So Peter was writing to a people who were facing a storm of persecution. They were facing a lot of troubles, and they needed to know that there was hope that was secure for them that was beyond their circumstances. Sounds familiar? Sometimes, right? So they needed to know 
that even if some of them were facing death, so it wouldn't be the end for them because death, or beyond death, there's a bright future. And that was a future they can always count on. So the hope that Peter describes is active right now. It's at work in the believers' lives. And no matter what, it brings this fresh peace and perspective that things are going to work out. So what's at the center of this kind of super hope that Peter's talking about? He says, hope is rooted in new birth. Now, we've heard, we've heard that term. There's, there's some new babies arriving uh, at Bethlehem Church. And uh, more than anything, I think, you know, that there's a lot of hope in new birth. There's hope in starting a new family. There's hope in seeing that baby grow and develop and then begin to interact with us. There's uh, new life and all the kinds of possibilities and potentials that lay before this little child and, and actually lay before you as a family. And ultimately, hope for a bright future for that baby. Hope for a bright future for that family. And so let's put that into a church perspective now. When we are born spiritually, through the Holy Spirit, by faith in Jesus, all this becomes a new reality for the church, right? There's there's a new family, hope and, hope and belonging to this new family. There's this, this growing and maturing that takes place through the Holy Spirit and, and new ways of interacting and relating. Uh, there's this, this uh, part of us that sees new possibilities and new potential as, as new birth comes and as that begins to develop. And then there's the hope that there's new additions to the family, that the, the church is growing and that there, there's more ahead, a bright new future. So unlike a physical birth, this new birth is eternal. It's, it's unending. It's not just for this season of life, but it goes on continuously. And it's embraced by faith, and it's dependent on the work that is already done, already completed in Christ Jesus on the cross and in the resurrection. And so that's where we point to our bright future is a resurrection like his. So now we can live unafraid, and not be scared because we know in the end is a resurrection. Peter writes, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection. Say resurrection. resurrection. New birth, living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But that's not all there is to hope. There's more to this future expectation, and that is an inheritance. An inheritance. Growing up, I heard the story, it was probably a cautionary tale, uh, about a family uh, in a nearby community whose parents were wealthy. They're, the parents had worked hard, they had acquired a small fortune in those days, and everybody knew it, but when the kids became adults, rather than uh, buckling down and applying themselves and going to work and making something of themselves, becoming useful members of society, they chose to wait for their inheritance. And in the meantime, to live off the handouts of their parents. So as the story goes, they never really accomplished anything meaningful in their lives. They never contributed to the family through their own efforts. And, and then the parents, they lived a really long time. They became very old. And uh, as the old saying goes, by the time the ship came in, the cargo was gone, right? In other words, by the time uh, the parents passed away, there was no inheritance left. It had all been squandered away. An inheritance, I think, is a tricky thing. 
earthly treasures are always at risk of some kind of loss. And as human beings, it's easy to fear loss. But Peter describes an inheritance that is invulnerable, and we are giving a new birth that also puts us, as Peter says, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance, say inheritance, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. So this is an inheritance promised by God through Scripture. It's for His chosen people. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we are those people, those who He chose. We are receiving this inheritance that is promised to Abraham and his descendants. It's an inheritance that goes beyond land. It is an eternal kingdom that is kept secure by God for who? (laughs) Yeah, you, right? Us. So you have a big inheritance coming. A big inheritance coming. So if you walked out of church today, and you met an attorney at the door, he said, would you come please, come into my limousine, I have some legal documents for you to sign that entitles you to a very, very large estate, an unimaginable inheritance, how would you respond? What would be your first thought? (laughs) Most of us go, really? Are you kidding me? Is this a prank? Where's the camera, right? Are you sure? Would you? I think too many of us as Christians actually have the same response to the good news that Peter's telling us. You know, we think, really? Is this serious? Can I trust this? Are you sure? Peter, he writes, in his mercy... He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And this inheritance is kept in heaven for who? Us. For you. It's for you. You have a big inheritance coming. I think that's worth turning to somebody next to you and telling them, you have a big inheritance coming. Okay, this is news for celebration, isn't it? I mean, this is great joy, like, woo-hoo, let's, let's party, have a celebration, dance around and shout, and I'm not kidding, actually, Peter says, in all this, you greatly rejoice. Let me hear you rejoice. Amen. Amen. There we go. That's good. Amen. This is great news. In 2024, and this is the year of living hope. And it's not just an inheritance that is secure. He even goes on to say that you yourselves, that we, through faith, are shielded by God's power. God is keeping you secure as well. Not just the inheritance, but you as well. This is good news. And he goes on, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. What? Wait. Did you hear a tone change going on here? We went from celebration to trials? And I think that's what the mention of trials does to us, right? Like, what, what? They sober us up. They make us take account of where we are, like we do on New Year's Eve. So the trials of 2024 are going to be a challenge to us to look at things through this second helpful perspective. 
So our first perspective for the new year is to remember that hope is living, right? It's so much bigger than our circumstances. It's not dependent on our plans working out perfectly. So the second helpful perspective is that trials have a purpose. Trials have a purpose. Peter writes to the church about their troubles. He says, these trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So suffering comes with trials, right? When we face trials, it includes suffering. And it's always a hard topic to navigate. How can a loving God allow us suffering? So in uh, researching this, I... <clears throat> looked up an old professor's commentary on First Peter. His name is also Peter, Peter Davis. And <clears throat> he writes some important comments that I want to repeat when it comes to this idea of trials and sufferings. Because if we're going to live into this perspective, we need to get it right. He writes, If suffering was not ordained, or it, suffering, was not ordained by God in creation. So in the good, in the good creation, suffering wasn't part of it. He goes on, Various tests are present in the fallen world, yet they are not among the good gifts of God, but a, but a necessity for some, or even most, Christians under the circumstances in which the kingdom of God has indeed come in Jesus, but is yet, not yet fully realized in the second coming, in the Perusia. So in other words, we are in this uh, new reality where the kingdom of God has broken in, in Christ, in Jesus, but it's not complete. We don't live in the completed uh, world yet. So trials aren't good. Trials aren't desirable. They're just part of this in-between reality. It's just part of what we face. So what perspective do we have? Well, we, we need to understand that God doesn't want us to suffer. That's important. God doesn't want us to suffer. It's not God's desire, but it's also not outside God's sovereignty. In other words, it's allowable. You may not understand why. And two, suffering and its agents are not good. They're not good. We don't want to be the cause of suffering. We don't want to celebrate it. We don't want to hope for it. Except in, the, in, that, in this third piece, that God is working through it. God will work out history toward his good plans. In other words, trials have a good purpose. If we, if we can hold on to that in the midst of our difficulties and struggles and trials, if we recognize that God is going to work this out for a good purpose, it makes all the difference. So we face all kinds of troubles. But the kind in view here are for persecution of faith. And even the threat of it can cause followers of Jesus to lose hope, uh, the threat of persecution, or even abandon faith. So <clears throat> I'm not generally a skeptic. Uh, I hope to see less persecution in the world moving forward, but I don't know, and I think it's good to be prepared for it. So here's the good news. Peter tells his readers that trials are intended to be detrimental, but they can become beneficial to believers. So he says that in our trials, our faith is proven genuine. So real acts of Christian courage, I think real acts of our courageous faith, especially when we're facing trials, inspires faith in others. Because it's in the trials that show how real our faith is. Now, you want to know how real your faith is? Well, take a look at it when it's being tested. We act faithfully in spite of what it costs us, and not because we love suffering. We don't. It's because we love Jesus. 
So that's the kind of faith that is far more precious than gold. And when Jesus returns, it's a faith that will be rewarded. So whatever trials this coming year brings, the best attitude for overcoming them is to see trials as opportunities to prove your faith is genuine. So it's in the storms that you discover what a gift your faith has become. I think it's so true. In the storms you discover your faith is a gift. And it brings us right back to Jesus. Peter finishes up by reminding his readers of this paradox. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So if you want 2024 to be the best year ever, then fix your attitude on a bright future ahead. Living every day with the perspective that hope is living, it's active, and that trials have a good purpose. And remember that you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the deliverance and inheritance that has been promised to you. Like the one Tiffany had in view on December 9th in 2007. Matthew Murray shot and killed Tiffany Johnson, 26, and Philip Krause, 24, at a Youth with a Mission or YWAM training center in Denver, uh, in a Denver suburb called Arvada. He later killed two at New Life Church in Colorado Springs. Now, as I tell this story, <clears throat> I recognize that this has some kind of unique and special meaning to me in that my sister Susan trained at a YWAM base you know, years, years earlier than this. So, you know, there's this potential, there's this the reality that she could have been there at this time. And it also comes a little closer when I realized that I actually was on a mission trip in a New London church just a few years before this, where we took a group of youth to a YWAM training center out in Colorado. So this is reality. Despite the deaths, YWAM remained on track with its mission training program. Training for missions the next January was attended by all 120 who signed up for the program. Not one dropped out. The director of Arvada YWAM, Peter Warren, speaking to Christianity Today, he said, Matthew, the shooter, was in the building for half an hour talking with students, and then he asked if he could spend the night. Tiffany was called to the front because she handles hospitality. Normally, we would not have someone spend the night without knowing them or arranging ahead of time. So after that, Matthew said, then this is what I've got for you. He pulled out a gun and started shooting. After firing a few shots, he had his foot in the door, and at some point he slipped backwards and fell back, and the door slammed shut and locked automatically. So he couldn't get back in, and right then, other staff students were driving up. They saw Matthew, and he uh, banging on the door, uh, trying to get back in, and when he saw them, he ran away. So after a student performed CPR on Tiffany, she regained consciousness and asked another trainee, Holly, is it bad? Holly said, yes, it's bad. Tiffany looked at Holly and her boyfriend, Dan, who was also shot, and said, we do this for Jesus, right? We do this for Jesus. Don't be afraid to be fearless in your faith. You have a living hope that goes far beyond any circumstances you face and makes every trial you face an opportunity to prove your faith is real. And with that attitude, your future, our future, is bright for all eternity. So my prayer is that you experienced a faith-filled, joyful new year. Let us pray.
Lord, we thank you that you have given us this new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for us. Lord, that's a whole lot. But Lord, it is a perspective and an attitude that changes our lives. Peter knew that. He knew that his church, the church, would be facing persecution. Lord, he knew that we would face trials. And yet, he reminds us of the true hope that we have. So Lord, in this season ahead, let us live courageously. Let us live hopefully. And Lord, uh, help us to remember that you are at work in every part of our lives, including the trials, and that the outcome is bright. Lord, help us to honor you in this new year. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.